Well, good morning. Come on, give you another chance. Good morning. Oh, it's so good to be here with you. I'm Pastor Bubba McCann, and uh, I'm senior pastor of uh, Crowley, Eunice, and Jennings, and it's such a privilege and an honor for me to be able to be here today with you. You know, we were singing that song, and we were talking about, you know, standing on that rock. That, that song is new to me. It's the first time I heard it this morning. I mean, I was like, that's a good song. Okay, good. Anyway, but when I was thinking about it, I think about an old story that I that I read and I preached about years for many years, and it was a, a guy that literally had had uh, been in a shipwreck, and the and what happened is in the shipwreck, uh, he began to grab for something, and he found some wood that was floating, and and what happened is he floated and on and he, he landed on some rocks right in the middle of the ocean, and so they sent a rescue crew out to look for this this ship that had sank. And they were looking, you know how the captain has a little periscope thing, looking, and all of a sudden they look and they go, hey man, there looks like there's something on that rock way out there. And they get a little closer and it goes, there is something on that rock. And the guy, and then and he looks at his crew and he goes, it looks like a man on a rock. So they literally get up close to where this guy is and they literally pull this guy, literally peel him, they have to peel him off the rock because he's holding on. And it goes, what happened? He goes, I don't know, Captain, but all I know is this. When the, I was just laying in my, 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 my bunk, and all of a sudden a storm came, and, I was, and, and the ship began to break apart, and, and I just grabbed the log, and, and I just went on it. And what happened is I, I ran into this rock, and he said I just held on to the rock because, you know, when the waves started getting turbulent, I, I just held on to the rock. When the wind started blowing on my back, I said, I just held on to the rock. And when the waves hit me, and, the, and he's like, he said, and everything was coming against me. And he said, I just held on to the rock. And he looked at the captain, because captain, the rock never moved. And for many of us, we go through situations and circumstances in life. That's what I want to talk about, spiritual family. We're called a family because let me tell you something. No matter what you go through, the rock of Jesus, even though we move, he never moves. Amen? And so this morning, you know, when I think about when you got a group of cows, it's called a herd, right? You get a group of uh, lions, it's called a pride. When you get a group of uh, geese, it's called a gaggle. When you get a group of, of uh, crows, it's called a murder. When you get a group of owls, it's called a parliament. Those are what they call them when they get together. But I know also a group of people listening to a pastor preach is not called the church. I've been to those kind of places. And see, I believe this, a group of people who know God, find their freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference together is a spiritual family. And so this morning, I want us to go, we've been looking at the book of Acts these last four weeks. Hey, it's been a privilege. I've been with y'all for four weeks. Y'all haven't kicked me out or run me off yet. And so I haven't preached anywhere for four weeks in a row in over a year and a half. Just because of my circumstances. Many of you don't know. I was in ICU, blah, blah, blah. I almost died twice this year. Pastor Jim LaFoon, who's one of our prophets, one of my pastors, one of the guys I'm accountable to, he said, Bubba, the Holy Spirit has kept you alive. And so this morning, I'm just so, I'm counted a privilege to be here with y'all. If you look with me in Acts chapter 2, verse 44 and 47, we've talked about this verse a little bit. And it says, all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property, possessions, and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God 
and, and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. And see, for most people, they think church is like preaching programs and potluck. You see, the activated church is a spiritual family. And see, there's a hunger for family. In our culture today, more than ever, you know, even though we have these, these little things right here that isolate us sometimes. But you know what? I believe this is, you know, it's called the crowded loneliness. It's a new term. And it's like we're around more people than we've ever been before in our society. Not only that, but we are more lonely than we've ever been. They say 43% of people over the age of 45 are chronically lonely. They say that if you have more than one or one good friend that stays with you for a lifetime, you're blessed more than others. You know, and I have many. I have my best friend. We've been best friends for 42 years. We were roommates. We, we used to say we were partners in crime. But anyway, that. But the thing is, is that Facebook, the average person has 338 people. But out of those 338 people, only 25% is that really kind of know them a little bit. Because how many you know you can get on Facebook and have a false identity and, and you look at it and you think, oh, I want to go on vacation like them. I don't want to, you know, and it's like, but you don't know the debt they got either. Thank you. Anyway. We're created for family. Spiritual family is God's greatest desire, but it's also the enemies or Satan's greatest threat. You see, isolation is Satan's strategy to keep you from what God has for you. And so why do, why do people isolate? I like coming to Crowley. Y'all ask good questions when I come. You know, so why do people isolate? There's two reasons, I believe. And I'm going to talk about those things. And I'm going to talk about what spiritual fam- what you need in a spiritual family. Because I believe that reasons people isolate, people get hurt. How many of you have ever been hurt in your life? Come on. Don't lie to me. How many of you have been hurt? All of us have been hurt in this room. You see? And see, we've been hurt. And not only that, many of us have been, not only many, some of us, because we've been hurt, we walk in shame sometimes for decisions we make. Wouldn't it be great if we just showed the video of decisions you made this week and everybody could watch it on the big screen? You go, no. Some of us would run out of here, ah. You know? How many you know family's hard? It's tough. It's annoying. It's messy. And it's painful. We all have been offended by family, and we've all offended family. How many of you, you know, your parents offended you a few times in life? How many of you offended your parents? You know? You see, spiritual family is not disposable. Relationship, we fight for one another. We don't talk about family. We talk to family. You understand? I have five sons and a daughter. And I had to take, we had to leave early because it was hot on the Jennings game. And it was not a good game. It was just back and forth. No, I'm not going to go into all that. And I said, baby, we got to go. And she didn't want to go. Come on. How many of you have those conversations where your kids just don't want to go? And she's the baby and the only girl. I said, baby, we are leaving now. But dad, get your butt in the truck. But dad, you see, we hurt family. But God can heal us in family. When I was 10 years old, my parents got in a fight. And my mom had... Had an affair. My dad found out. And he locked the door. And they began to yell and fight and slap each other and hit each other. I remember being 10. My world was rocked. 
I remember I tried to get the door, and then finally about the third or fourth time, I just put my shoulder in the door, and the door just opened wide. My dad looked at me and goes, look what your mother did to me. My mom goes, look what your daddy did to me. And I was thinking, look what y'all did to me. And I can remember just, you know, just being confused. But James says it like this. He says, confess and acknowledge how you offended one another and then pray for another to be instantly healed. You see, you know why people go on and allow the hurts to get deeper and deeper? Because they never come to someone to be able to share one that hurt. How many of you have been married longer than two weeks? How many of your spouse has hurt you at least once or twice? Okay. Okay. Well, you don't know they hurt me this morning, Pastor Bob. That's a whole other message. But how many of you grateful for your mate? Tell them that right now. I'm so grateful for you. Come on. All right. Good. I'm glad. We're getting a little hill in here. But he said, he said, see, what has to happen is we learn to pray for one another. I pray for my wife every day. Before I leave, when she wakes up, the first time I see her, I'm on my way to my coffee. Sometimes I'll go, hey, beautiful. Hey, sweetheart. And I pray for her every day. I tell her I love her every day. This morning, I wrote a a thing on my Facebook. I'm just going to read it to you. I don't care what you say. It's kind of nice, man. I'm feeling love in the air. And it says, just want you to know you look so amazing this morning. So thankful for you for who you are. And she wrote me back two big hearts. I don't know what that leads to, but I like the hearts. But anyway. <laughs> hey, come on. We real in here. Come on. There's, there, there, you know, there's, there's, there's hurt. Then sometimes there's just shame. You know? You, and you're embarrassed of what you, you've done or what, what's happened to us. Some things have happened to us that we had no control over. And we feel that shame. We feel like, well, if I share that, people will think, no, the greatest thing you can do is get that off of you. The Bible says, cast your cares upon him because he cares for what? You and me. The enemy tells you you're not to share with anyone. You know, you believe the lie that you're the only one dealing with that issue. Come on. You ever remember when your mom would be on the phone? And she'd be on the phone, and she's yelling at everybody, Get, pick up your room, do this. Oh, my God, y'all spilt it on the floor. Just watch the floor. Oh, and they're just going off. And all of a sudden, the phone rings. Ring. Hey, Phyllis. <laughs> it's like your mama got healed from anger. I've seen y'all come to church. <laughs> oh, there's Pastor Bill. Hi. <laughs> your kids are going, I believe in healing. You see, you need a small group. I believe that's why we need people in our lives. That's why we need fellowship. You go, well, Pastor Bob, I got enough fellows in my ship. No, you don't. You need people that can, you can have a relationship with, people that you know. There's been time. I mean, there's been times when I've had to call people and just tell them the truth about them. And most of the time, you know, when you share the truth in love, you know what happens? People go, wow, thank you. I didn't realize that. Come on. You ever do that with your kids? Come on. You know it's going to be tough and you got to sit them down and you go, hey, let me just tell you this about you. But sometimes you see yourself in them when you're telling them about what you see in them. 
Come on. I sat down with my son, that's my fifth son. He's the smartest one. He's getting letters from colleges wanting him to come to their college right now because he's so stinking smart. I remember Phil McDaniel and I were hunting with him one year, and he was like second or third grade. And at that time, we knew he was smarter than us. We were, talking, we were killing geese, and we were talking about, you know, it's amazing how heavy that thing is in the wings and how they can fly. Then he, all of a sudden, my son Luke begins to tell us about the, the, skeletal, the skeletal system of a bird and why it can fly and why. And we're like, whatever. We just shoot them. You really, and I, I believe this, you know, when you're isolated, you cut yourself off from the very thing that God wants to give you. He wants to give you people. When you look at the Bible, listen, no one, I know this, most successful people that I've seen in life that are businessmen didn't get there by themselves. If you ever read their stories, they started out small. They started out, or there was a breakthrough or some, some kind of business venture. Some kind of thing happened. It was just in a moment. You see, I believe for every one of there, there are things we can find in spiritual family. So we've talked about what keeps us from that, what shame keeps us from spiritual family, hurt keeps us from spiritual family. And those are the very things that can keep your marriage separated and difficult. Are you hearing me? When you begin to become real and open and honest in your marriage, God can come, God can breathe on that. I remember being sitting in the back of my recliner with a broken back for four months. This past year. Listen, I had so many conversations with my wife and I learned to listen and it was forced listening because there was nowhere I could go. I was forced to listen. And sometimes we talk some, hadn't we talked about like that like six times? You ever notice in marriage when you have conversation, you talk about the same thing sometimes? Or you go, you've told me that story before. Or you don't want to tell them because you don't want to hurt them. Come on. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Come on. All right. How many of you are liars in this church? Okay, listen to me. I don't see any halos in here. But see, there are three things that keep us in a spiritual family. The first thing is unity. Say it when you say unity. See, Acts says it like this. Among the prophets and the teachers of the church in Antioch or of Syria... There were Barnabas, Simon, called the black man, Lucius, who was from uh, Cyrene, Mena, who was a childhood companion of King Herod, and Amphus, and Saul. The five leaders mentioned, think about this, one is from the Middle East, one is from Asia, two are from Africa, and one is from the Mediterranean. Now think about that. You know, Luke is showing us the early church's leadership in Antioch was culturally diverse. You see, as an individual, we can't fully reflect. We can't fully reflect Christ unless we become diverse. You see, unity is not uniformity. We want to be a multi-ethnical, multi-generational church. Amen? Where if you're old, hey, listen, we need people that are older. Because you know what they have? They have perspective and wisdom. We need young people because they have energy and fire. And that stirs other people up. We need kids because that gives us hope for the future of, the gener of generations. Are you hearing me? When you stop building relationally, generationally, what happens is, you know what? You die. And why are churches dying all around the world? Because they're not building generationally anymore or by revelation anymore. 
Because I believe that you need revelation of the Spirit of God and who Jesus is and how He changes our lives from the inside out. And see, I believe this. And so we need, we need uh, unity. The second thing we need is we need strength. We need strength. What does that look like? See, then the, the, in Acts 14 it says, are y'all with me? Yes, we are. Am I in the right church? Yes, we are. Am I with the right people yes, at the Harvest Campus? All right, here we go. It says this, then some Jews arrived from Antioch in uh, Isaomen and won the crowds uh, to their sides. They stoned Paul. That didn't, they didn't pull out a bong, bong and stone him. They threw rocks at him. And they dragged him out of town, thinking he was dead. But as the believers gathered around him, got up and went back into the town. The next day, he left with Barnabas at Darby. And, and after preaching the good news at Darby and making many disciples, Paul and Barnabas returned to Lystra. That's where they make Listerine. Anyway, just in Isram, in Antioch, and Pista. And they, they were strengthened. They were strengthened. They were strengthened, the believers. Paul, he received strength, but he gave it as well. How many of you know that sometimes we, need, we just need to learn to receive strength? But when we give, you know, it's amazing when, you, when we've had people come go on missions trips. And they go, man, I'm just going to go bless people. I'm going to pour some strength in them. And then all of a sudden they come back and go, dang, they strengthened me. They blessed me. I remember when Chuck went on his first mission trip to Kenya. And he, him and Zach came back and told me all the stories. And they were just super pumped up, super excited. Because they went there to be a blessing. But God blessed them more than they blessed the people. You see, spiritual families where you give and you receive strength. The Bible says one can put a thousand in flight. Two can put ten thousand in flight. The moment you connect with someone else, you become a, a ten times stronger and better when you connect with people. What do you mean, Pastor Baba? That's just what happens. You ever been around a big brother and someone's picking on you? You mess with me, you mess with him. You mess with me, you mess with him. Come on, and you feel, come on, come on, come on, come on. You feel leapish? Come on, you feel froggish? I'm going to leap all over you before you leap on me. I go, oh, yeah, no, I mean, you, do all, you have all those little sayings you do. But you got backup. You know what I'm saying? Can I tell you something? You got backup. His name is Jesus. In every circumstance you're in, you need Jesus. When your health fails, it's Jesus. When your marriage looks like it's going to be, it's Jesus. Are you hearing me? When you, maybe you're struggling in school and you need help study, but you need Jesus. We need Jesus. It's not about, hey, I need these ten quick things. I need this. This will help you. I need Jesus and you need Jesus. You're here because of Jesus. Amen? You see, the moment you connect, you see, somewhere, we're, we're all going. Let me just be honest with you. How many of you know we all go through hell in life? I just don't want to go through hell in life alone. I don't. I want people in my life. I need people in my life. I just do. You know, when you see commercial to me, you know, well, they are the individual, and the individual makes it. You can do it by yourself. Listen, I don't want to do it by myself. You see, somewhere we have bought into the lie that if we need people, it's a sign of weakness. Proverbs says it like this, 1717, a friend is always loyal. 
and a brother is born to help in time of need. Another way it says the brother will stay, you know, your friend will stay, stay closer than a brother. My best friend, we've been best friends for 43 years, Mark Guidry. I mean, there's been times I've been there for him. His wife was murdered. I led his wife to the Lord before she was murdered. He went through a dark moment in his life. God gave him a new wife, precious daughters, a new life. He told me, he said, Bubba, one day if God ever blesses me, I'm going to carry your briefcase and we're going to travel around the world together for Jesus. I ended up leading him to the Lord. And you know what? The last three mission trips, two to Africa, one to England, he's carried my briefcase and paid the way. Because God blessed him. Not with just like a couple of million, with lots of millions. I don't call him and go, hey, can you drop me a million? No, I don't do that. He's my friend. And you know what he needs? He needs someone in his life that, can, that, can, that is standing on solid ground and said, you don't need to be doing stupid stuff like that just because you got all that. You know what I mean? He just needs people. We all need people. Come on. We need people. That's right, Pastor Bubba. Preach it. You're preaching better than we're shouting. Any, of your, any area of your life is success. It's not because you did your best. It's because you were, it's not, not I gave my best, but I got my best from others. I'm standing here right now, standing on the shoulders of many other people that have gone before me, that have gone on before the Lord, that invested in my life, spoke to me truth over the years. Encourage me. Pick me up when I wanted to quit. Pick me up when I just got this, just didn't like what I was going through. Just people. When I was in ICU, the, the, the disease control doctor said, oh, Pastor Bobo, you, he was from Nigeria, you have the greatest network I've ever seen. Your wife come every day, your pastor, many pastors, people from your church, they come and pray and pray and pray. You have the greatest network I've ever seen. He said, but I must tell you, you should be dead. But God has something for you. Can I tell you something? And my wife's standing there when I'm in ICU for six days, and I'm on fentanyl for free. Okay? I had a Michael Jackson experience. Anyway. I didn't know where I was or who I was. Can I tell you something? My wife knew what I needed. I needed Jesus to come and stand in that moment and strengthen me and heal me and take me out of that. I talked to a, a gentleman this morning, the first service, his first time, set third time he came. He came when we were at the other theater. And he just began to share his heart. And I had compassion for him. I'm meeting with him tomorrow. He just began to share his heart, where he's come from, where he's been. And I go, man, you're in the right place. It's a place that will love you. But I don't think he thought I'd meet with him. I actually gave him my number. I do that. And I do call back. I do. Don't give me your number. I'll torment you. <laughs> if you miss... A Sunday, I've been known to call people, go, if you wake up right now, you can make it to church on, just on time. 
And if you don't believe me, I'll bring people that I have done that to, and they're in church, and they love Jesus, and they thank God that I tormented them. Some people get pastors, and others get tormentors. I'm, I don't know, I'm sorry. I don't need people just to hang out with. I need people can help me. And you need people that can help you. And for you to think that you can do it alone, then it's the spirit of the world. It really is. The third thing is we all need this. And I've talked about it the last couple. We all need encouragement. Say it when we say encourage. We all need to be encouraged. We all need encouragement. I don't care who you are. The Bible says in, in Acts 14, 22, and they were strengthened. They strengthened the believers. They encouraged them to continue in, in the faith, reminding them that they must suffer many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. And I, what I've told you, and I want to share it again this morning, encouragement means someone pouring courage into you. And that's why you need others in your life, someone that can pour courage into you. When you want to walk in fear, when you want to back away, when they, someone can pour courage into you, know that you have the resurrection power, the same power that raised Jesus from the grave, lives in us as Christians. We are not Christians because they were accused of being like Christ. That's where the Christian name came. I don't like to use sometimes, well, you need to give your life to Christ. That's good. I, I like to say, you need to give your life to Jesus Christ. The king of kings and the Lord of lords. The king of the universe. The king that we'll stand before, before one day and give account of why we did what we did and who we did it for. Either for ourselves or to be a people pleaser or we did it for him with the right motive. We'll stand there one day. You see, I believe the greatest gifts you and I can give is someone encouragement. Just encouragement. You know, I was telling you about my son that's smart, and I, I looked at him. You know, how do you have a conversation when I barely made it through school, okay? I mean, one of my, teacher, one of my son's teachers looked at him. He said, he said, whoever it was, I don't know who it was, he goes, you pass. And she goes, let me see your teeth. She goes, by the skin of your teeth, son. But Luke, I, I have a conversation. He says, son. I had this conversation. I said, do you want to go to a good school or do you want to go to a great school? He goes, well, Dad, I want to go to a great school. Then, son, pick up a book once in a while and study a little harder. Here I am, you know, <laughs> telling someone that's got all that. Because can I tell you something? There's a difference between good and great. And great means you go beyond yourself. He can sit and make an A. He doesn't study. He doesn't have to read. I get sick of that kind of people. He's like my wife. They remember everything you said to the dot, to the T, to the comma. You can't argue with them. Hebrew says is encourage one another every day. Every day. What does that look like? Every day. Let me ask you a question. Let me make a challenge. When's the last time you encouraged your kid when they went to school? Dropped them off, caught the bus. When's the last time? I'd encourage you to make it a habit every day. They need it with everything they face during the day. Husbands, 
Bible says love your wives as Christ loved the church. Quit thinking about what you got to do and what you got to eat for lunch today. Love your wife. Encourage her before you leave. Be a strength. Pray for her. There's times, I don't do it every day, but there's times I just kneel on my knees before my wife. I'm not kneeling, but just to let her know that I love her and I want her to know that I'm gonna, I want to lay my life down. Can I be honest with you? I try to pick up my life every once in a while. Come on. Don't we all? But for her to know, wives, when's the last time you just came and you just encouraged your husband? You look at him and go, baby, you're looking so good, yeah. You used to be my hunk, but now you're my chunk. Come on. I'll just leave it at that. Pastor, that ain't encouraged. Well, maybe he'll go to the gym. But anyway, (laughs) encourage daily. Why? Because the voices of discouragement are so real and they're so constant in our lives. We hear it every day. We hear the lies. You look in the mirror. You go to somewhere. You compare yourself. The enemy wants you to compare yourself to others. When you look on Facebook, they're going on vacation. We went to Pecan Beach. Where is that? I don't know. It's not even on the map. They went to, you know, this and that. Look at us. Be grateful. Be thankful for what you have. You see, Corinthians says, when you arrived in Macedonia, there was no rest for us. Here's an example. We face conflict from every direction with battles on the outside and fear on the inside. You ever feel that way? But, and I, you know, there's some good butts in the Bible and there's some bad butts in the Bible. It's where you put your butt. And he says, but God, who encourages those who are discouraged, encouraged us by the arrival of Titus. His presence was a joy. Sometimes people just show up and you go, man, I love them. They bring so much encouragement. I like when they, I'm around them. Titus was Paul's son in the Lord. I love the book of, of, of Titus because he begins to tell Titus, he said, man, you're my son. You, you're there. He strengthens him, encourages him. He warns him about people that are wolves in sheep's clothing. He warns him how to find a leader and what they should look like and be looking for people like that because he's his father. Truett Cathy, who started uh, Chick-fil-A, okay? You know what? I, he goes, they, they asked him, he said, how do you identify someone who needs encouragement? He said, if they're breathing, they need encouragement. There was an experiment that was done. There was a guy that stood in a water bucket with ice in it. And he's in the bucket and he's freezing. He's getting cold. But they found out that if he had someone when he's standing in the ice bucket there to encourage him, he can stay longer in the bucket than he did by himself. And for many of us, you don't need to do an experiment. You can last longer. You can go through more. You can face different things if you have people there that are encouraging you and, call and, and let, reminding you that Jesus is with you. You see, this is God's heart. The greatest and most fulfilling thing in my life is not the messages I preach. It's the relationships I get to enjoy. 
There's people here that I have relationships with, and I enjoy them. I went to the prayer meeting the other day, and I was hoping Chuck would follow me and get, get a blizzard, but he wanted a root beer because he was watching his waistline. I'm like, dude, man, I mean, can I, if we're going to fall together, let me, can you get a blizzard? Oh, I can't. So if his wife's listening somewhere, he, he disciplined himself. I like Corey because I, I can tell Corey, Corey, he cuts the grass and stuff like that. He'll go, how's it look, Pastor? And I said, well, man, you know, they miss this and that. that. And he goes, I appreciate. And I like what he said. He said, I appreciate because you got an eye for it. First time he came, he brought his guys to my house. And he goes, you see that, how he does that? He did that by hand, freehand, because I'm like, and that's what all the pastors like about me. One of the things is I have an eye for stuff. I get to see stuff sometimes. Pastor Joshua, Pastor Bubba, I just need you because you see things differently. How many of you know that different people see things differently? And it's not to be weird or different. It's just sometimes we need to appreciate the gifts that God gives us. You say, you say how do you become a part of a spiritual family? I love being here because y'all ask good questions. You commit. Life groups, it's about making a commitment for a small season to get together with people, to do life together, to encourage one another, to build strength in one another, to build unity in the family. You'll get the, the best out of a relationship when you commit to it. When I was dating Tracy, can I just tell you something? Tracy and I used to have an attender relationship. What does that look like? It means I pick her up, bring her on a date, to a movie, dinner, all that stuff, and drop her off. But then I got married. And it transitioned into from a tender, relation, a tender relationship to a member relationship. And the best part of membership, it has benefits. Come on. And everybody enjoying those benefits said, that was the men. Anyway. <laughs> it's the membership. It's the benefits. It's about relationships. And the last thing is, as I close this, you got to go through next. We had 21 people go through next step these last two weeks. Give yourself a hand. That's people that say, you know, I'm committed first to Jesus, that I've met him. I'm committed to finding my passion, my heart, what God's called me to do and walk in that. And the second and the final thing of that is just you contribute. And it's not about money. It's Acts 2, they were constantly sharing what they had with those in need. The benefits of family also come with responsibilities. When you look at the Bible, there's responsibilities we have as believers. Well, how we treat our wives, how we treat our husbands, how we raise our children, how we use our finances. Do we, do, are we disciplined to tithe and to give what back what God's given us? I, I live, I'm more blessed living off of 90% than I am 100%. I just am. I could tell you story after story of the benefits when I've been generous. God's been generous back. 
I told the first service about a lady that, that this week she had to go. I had chemo this week on, on Tuesday. And she's sitting in a chair in the waiting room. And she has her little bun thing on, her little bandana. But it's a nice one, you know. Because she has no hair. And she has an IV stuck to her right here. And they come to her and says, your numbers aren't good. We're not going to be able to give you treatment. She goes and she just, but I, but I haven't had any treatment in five weeks. I haven't been able to get this. Can I see the doctor today at least? And the Orion's telling her this. And when she walked, I'm, I'm sitting there. I'm moved with compassion. I just go over there. I'm, I'm sitting on like a row right here, and she's over there. And I just go, and I go over there. I go tap her. I go, excuse me. I pray for you that God would help change your circumstances. She goes, listen, when you're in need, I promise you, when you're in need, there's no atheist. There's no agnostics unless they're hard-hearted. She goes, sure. Yeah, would you? Could you? And I just pray. I pray God would work a miracle. I didn't pray God would touch her. I said, God, work a miracle on her. God, open up the door so she can see a doctor. Let her, let her get what she needs. When I was finishing my treatment, after sitting there four and a half hours, I see her. And she's talking to her friend. She's in the chemo room. And she's getting treatment. And I go over there. And right before I leave, she didn't see me. And I tapped her on the shoulder, and I go, excuse me. She goes, oh, hey. She, I go, God worked a miracle, didn't he? She goes, yes. Uh, you know, yes. And I just walked out. God gets the glory in that. Listen, you know how you grow in God when you can share your weaknesses? And the Bible says, then your weaknesses become your strength. Your weaknesses. You see, it has, you have to come to a point where you go, I'm, God, I'm committed to you. I'm committed to your kingdom. I'm committed to a family. I'm committed to a spiritual family. And God, use me. Do whatever you want in me and through me. I love the worship this morning. We didn't have all the instruments, but man, all the, I mean, they're singing with passion. It was good this morning. I don't care if y'all liked it or not. I did. Because they were doing it really for an audience of one. You see, the benefits of family come with responsibilities. They just do. You have what others need and others have what you need. Do you know that you can be a blessing to people? That's what life groups are about. That's why we have small groups. That's why they may have ones on freedom. Some of you might need some freedom from a few things. Come on. How many of you got some addiction? Don't raise your hand about this. But you might have addictions that you need freedom from. You may have things that, you know, some of you go, man, I just need to get, I need power in my life. I keep struggling with the same thing. You may need the power of the Holy Spirit to come into your life and make a difference in your life. You might be struggling with a prayer life. They can, people can help you pray. You may be in your marriage. You have marriage groups. They have different kinds of groups that we have. I'm doing a group this, this semester. It's called Pastor Bubba's Back Porch. 
just on my back porch. And I'll, you know what we're going to do? We're going to talk about the fundamentals of what it means to be a Christian. What it really means to be saved. What does it really mean to have Jesus being the Lord of your life? What does it mean to be walking the power of the Spirit? What does it mean to be an example to the world? What do those things mean? And it's not me having a lot of, it's really all of us helping one another, encouraging one another. Because you know what? I, go, I start a group, but when they leave, I'm more encouraged than they are. You know what I'm saying? I have one go, Pastor, it would be such a, a blessing if you let me in your group. I'm like, brother, come on. Phil McDaniel goes, Pastor Bubba, can I be a, can, can we do it on, 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 like, how do you do it, like Facebook or whatever? He's like, can, he goes, can I do it online? And I have one of the guys that's in my group. He goes, man, I do all the John Maxwell things. I have a, a site. We can do it online so he doesn't miss anything. Now, I know, you know he's not missing teal season, so he'll be here this week. You know what I'm saying? But I love it when people just want to change. They want to, like, I need, a, I, need, I need someone. I need a group. I need to be a part. Amen? Let's pray. God just wants us to contribute our time, our talents, and our treasure, guys. And there, I believe this as I've ministered today. There's some of you that you just need strength in your life. Maybe you heard me today and it encouraged you a little bit. But you're not really where you need to be. Your relationship is really not where it needs to be with Jesus. And let me just say this. Jesus loves you no matter what you hear in your, vo- in your head or in your vo- uh, voice speaking to you right now. I just want to I want to address that voice. That voice, if it's saying you're not good enough, you're not worthy enough, that's not Jesus' voice. It's not a voice of condemnation. It's a voice of conviction. Say, come on. Come, I'm going to help you. Just give it to me. Trust me. You've looked for this. I want to give you what you've been looking for, what you want. If you're here this morning, you're not where you need to be with the Lord. I want to pray for you. Or if you're here this morning, you say, Pastor Bo, I'm really not living a lifestyle that's pleasing to God. And I want to give my life to Jesus this morning. And I want to make, I want him to make a difference in my life from this day forward. If that's you, no one looking around. Just raise your hands and say, Pastor Bubba, that's me. Would you pray for me? That's me. I I need that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? I'm not going to beg. I'm not going to plead. I'm not going to tell you a sad story. But listen to this. The Bible says that one day we will stand before the king. And the Bible says if we deny him here on earth, that one day when we stand before him, he'll deny us there. I don't want that. I don't think you do. And it's not to scare you. It's to bring reality that one day we will stand before a king that knows everything. He knows why we, why we do what we do, who we do it for, either for ourselves or to be a people pleaser, or we really do it for him. If that's you, you say, Pastor Bob, would you pray? No one looking around. Would you pray for me? Just raise your hand. I want to pray for you. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Can we all pray this prayer together out loud? Just say it with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe on the cross you took my sin my shame, and my guilt. You died for it. I believe that you faced hell for me so I wouldn't have to go. You rose from the dead to give me a place on earth. A place in heaven, I'm sorry. A place in heaven and a purpose on earth. 
and a relationship with your Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn from my sin to be born again. God is my Father. Come on. Jesus is my Savior. The Holy Spirit is my helper. And heaven is now my home. In the name of Jesus, amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap for those that just...